With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. This weekend, we're in Austria, and it's a sprint race weekend. So that means Friday, free practice and sprint race qualifying today. Saturday sees free practice too, and the 24-lap sprint race on the afternoon, 3.30 UK time, by the way. And then on Sunday, the feature race, not that we call it that, but qualifying was today, so we actually get to talk about the pole sitter, even though the winner of tomorrow goes through till Sunday, I'm sure you know that. Uh, Just recapping for anyone who doesn't, Max Verstappen snatched a late pole to beat Charles Leclerc to qualify first for the sprint race tomorrow. Uh, Well, Max has made the Red Bull ring his home in recent seasons, but... Ferrari look to have booked their place on the front row, uh, the front spot on the grid in qualifying. But Verstappen was down on his final run in the first half of the lap, but put in a stunning final sector uh, to get what was looking like an unlikely pole. I'm joined to discuss today by the editor of Autosport.com, Hayden Cobb. Welcome to the podcast. 
Oh, yeah, thanks for having me again. It's been, uh, what, two, two in a week? I know. <laughs> You'll I be know. Sick, of, we... sick of the sound of me. No, we can't get enough of you. Uh, by the way, if anyone is listening and you haven't listened to the review show of Silverstone and, you know, you like listening to Formula One stuff, uh, then check out Hayden and Kevin. Uh, two different names uh, with myself, actually, on the Sunday show last week, mainly because I'd like to say, well, we're sharing the love, and uh, mainly because everyone was either in the car or still stuck at the circuit. Uh, but we'd planned it. It wasn't last minute. We'd planned it. Uh, but it was yes. nice to have nice to have different opinions as well. Yeah. Actually, it was, it was an nice. enjoable one as well. It was a busy one. Yeah, I, so I highly recommend anyone who hasn't listened to it go back listen to it. Uh, Kev doesn't <laughs> hold back. Uh, he is. Uh, I wouldn't put him in the Max Verstappen fan club. Um, and lots of people don't like that when he uh, points out uh, certain <laughs> yeah. things he doesn't like. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and then people point that out to us. Well, yes, we know. Thank you. Uh, but Kev's the boss. And he has good opinions. Uh, let's talk about today. Uh, the final segment of qualifying was stopped twice because of two separate crashes for the Mercedes pair of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. The garage, Lewis Hamilton side particularly, are going to have a very busy night. And Saturday morning, the top three, though, of Verstappen, Leclerc and Sainz split by less than a tenth of a second. As we saw Verstappen, uh, followed by Leclerc, 0.03 seconds. Carlos Sainz, 0.08. Uh, it really was the last two and a half minutes, really, that uh, all the action um, happened because of those two red flags. Uh, let's start with Verstappen's performance today. And I was going to say over the weekend, but it is just today. It's really These sprint race weekends really throw me. Uh, what are you making of uh, Verstappen, who has, as I mentioned, dominated at this circuit in recent years? Yeah, it does feel like today is a Saturday, but it's not. It is definitely a Friday if you're listening to this tonight. <laughs> but yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, Max Verstappen's qualifying performance uh, at Austria was was very Max Verstappen-esque. Uh, we, we've seen certainly the first part of this season that Ferrari have got a particularly quick car over that single lap between Leclerc and, and Sainz. But Verstappen slowly but surely has been bridging that, that gap somewhat. There's been a few updates that have made the car more to his liking and that's what we've sort of seen this bit of progress, particularly more, more in the races than in qualifying spec. But uh, this afternoon, it was it was definitely uh, in in his range, in his capability to to just pull it that lap together. Right, like you said, right at the end, because of the red flags, it was the, the all or nothing lap. And uh, yeah, he put it together, scraped it, it was very, very close against both Ferraris, but um, yeah, he, he will be the one that starts the sprint from first place. Uh, and you've got to make him pretty much strong favourite for, for the rest of the weekend. But uh, there's a long way to go, but that's, I would put my money on him from, from here on out. Yeah, really, really good performance today. And I've mentioned the top three. In fourth, half a second, almost half a second, uh, gapping to uh, science in third was Sergio Perez in the second Red Bull. But let's get into that in case any of our listeners caught some of the action earlier and you know, turned off the TV coverage. As of recording this many, many hours later, it's literally just landed. Uh, Checo Perez will start the sprint race from 13th on the grid because all of his Q3 lap times were deleted for a track limits breach... In Q2. Hayden, can you unpick this one for us, please? Yeah, so it's it's one of those unusual ones where the FIA takes a fair amount of time to come to a decision you you think we could have seen in real time. So in, in short, there were three sections of the track that they were keeping a very strict 
track limits watch on they had stationary cameras people watching it and those anyone who went over the 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 white lines on the edge of the track instantly got their lap times deleted now i believe the section of the track turn eight where perez was wasn't one of those areas therefore they didn't have the instant confirmation that he had gone over the white lines therefore his best lap in q2 should have been deleted which is why he had a post-qualifying investigation and he had a chat with the stewards. Indeed, he, he crossed the line at Turn 8 and, and was judged to have gained gained an advantage and therefore he should have had that lap time deleted. Now, the problem, obviously, as we can see here, is because of that lap that should have been deleted, that was good enough for him to get into Q3 and therefore he contested Q3 and, as you say, put the, put the car in fourth on the grid. So... As the sort of a countback effect, you could call it, Perez loses all his Q3 lap times because effectively he shouldn't have been there. And he also loses that lap from Q2 that was the the lap that was at fault in this whole situation, which was his obviously his best lap and got him into Q3. And that means technically he, he drops down to 13th. Hindsight, and, and if you can rewind time, says that Poor Pierre Gasly, who finished 11th in Q2, therefore he was the one to miss out on the Q3 spot. He should have been in Q3 and Perez should have been out in Q2, finishing 13th. But they they didn't have the information. They didn't have everything sorted to hand at that point in time. And that's why we're talking yeah, hours after qualifying about uh, Perez dropping, <laughs> dropping basically a half a grid spot uh, and everyone in that gap going up a place. Um it does sound confusing. It does sound sort of, you could say, peak F1 overcomplicating <laughs> it. But there is a, a sort of a reason behind it in terms of what where they were looking for the track limits. And unfortunately, an area that they weren't looking at for that instant sort of lap time deletion whilst Q qualifying is going on is where Perez fell foul. So, yes, it's one of those unfortunate ones. I wouldn't say I'm sort of defending the rule makers or, or how they came to their decision. But uh, they sort of didn't have the full facts at the time, therefore had to do it after qualifying and that's where it, why we're in this situation. But the, yeah, as you say, the bottom line is Perez will start the, the sprint, so not the, the full Grand Prix on Sunday, but the sprint race from 13th and everyone in between that gaps goes up a spot. Uh, but of course, like you say, if he gains paces in the sprint race, he could end up back in fourth for the Grand Prix, which would be the massive irony if something like that were to happen, <laughs> yes. which isn't too far off the world's a possibility, yes. given the pace he's got in that car. Yeah, and the car looks great. Um, I have the FIA bulletin here. Thank you for sending that on. It says the team made the point that they took both risk and expended resources to compete in Q3. The stewards accept this point. However, in assessing a penalty after a session, this is no different than any other other situation. The usual penalty in deleting the lap time concerned and the stewards order the same penalty here. However, as a consequence, the driver would not have proceeded into Q3 and therefore, in fairness to the other competitors, the stewards order that all lap times for Q3 for the driver are also deleted. So that is their, in their own words, their logic. We've seen this over the years in Formula One. You get that time between Q1 and Q2 or Q2, Q3, uh, they have a look at it. And if they can't identify it, then hard luck, right? Uh, over the years, it's been like, well, that's obviously not fair. That person was blocked or impeded. And and if it's not resolved in that gap and that, that driver isn't given the penalty and then they contest that session, we've seen it time and time again. 
uh, you just get lucky or you get unlucky in Formula One. Whereas this is one of the first times I can remember where they've gone back and gone, no, 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 uh, we're inventing our own uh, time machine uh, to put things how we think they should be, which I agree with you, is peak F1. Like, it's just, it's a little bit weird uh, and it doesn't do a huge amount for the fans when they yeah, turn on their and, TV and, on and Saturday. That is the ultimate- and it's like crux of it, ah. like you say, the, the the fans that are watching on television, the fans that are, are there at the track, would have gone yeah home or whatever, believing that Perez was was fourth. Now, okay, Perez being fourth is not exactly a headline fact, but but it's very easy and very simple to say the pole sitter could have been in this situation, whoever that may have been, and that just changes the whole story when it's quite easily to quite easy to avoid, and that's the sort of problem that they keep finding themselves in but on the other hand rules are rules and yeah. they did apply them as accurately as they they could okay george russell lines up fourth in the mercedes because he put in a good time before shunting followed by esteban ocon in the first of the alpines and a brilliant result for the two Haas drivers lining up now in sixth and seventh I'm doing some very quick mental arithmetic uh, on my notes that I'd written. Uh, and Magnussen pipping Schumacher. But that's stunning. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Fernando Alonso, second Alpine in eighth, followed by Lewis Hamilton, who was bottom of Q3, but gets bumped up. And Pierre Gasly is in 10th, followed by Albon Bottas Perez in 13th, Sonoda and Lando, who at one point was running eighth uh, early on in qualifying and, and had a, a shocker along with teammate Ricardo in 16th. Stroll, Joe, Latifi, Vettel lines up last. Again, track limits, catching out Sebastian Vettel. Um, where should we go next? Let's talk about the Mercedes crashes. Two separate incidents, uh, wiping out Russell and Hamilton. Like I say, Russell had a good time on the board, so starting up on the second row, which is brilliant. Um, we should talk about... Uh, well, first of all, Hamilton brought out the red flags. About five and a half minutes to go. Uh, he ran into the barrier... At was it turn seven? Turn, yeah, turn seven. Talk us through this. Yes, yeah, so a very un- uncharacteristic uh, error, you could say, from Hamilton. He did say, sort of after qualifying, he partly held his hands up, but also wasn't really sure what what happened. He, he sort of lost the rear of the car going through the sort of the high speed corner, and it is one of those where as soon as you lose it, well, you're on a one way ticket to hit to hit in the barriers and. Uh, I remember not so many years ago, Bottas did it in a Mercedes in, in a very similar situation. So it's not impossible to, to do. Uh, many will do it after and and and, and since. But um, yeah, I think just it'd be interesting to see what the Mercedes sort of divulge and, and how they analyse their, their qualifying because naturally their drivers will, will push harder in Q3. They seem to believe, and, and to be fair, the pace in practice did show it, that they, if they completed their laps and didn't, sort of have the issues that they they came into in Q3, they would have been there thereabouts knocking on the door of the top three. And I think that's basically what they were going for. The car is inherently a bit twitchy, a bit nervous. And we've seen this, whether it's the porpoising in the corners that unsettled the drivers, or if it was just a gust of wind catching the car and putting them out. But they were pushing and on, on the limit, as you would expect in Q3, because of qualifying because that's the, that's the time you do it of, all, of the entire weekend but they seem to find that edge where you, when you go over it well that that's the consequence of it whereas I think you could say because they have the faster package they have to take 
ever so slightly less risk in terms of if you were the rebel or the ferrari drivers so a combination of errors and, and issues i think have hit both mercedes drivers and it's very rare to see that to be honest yeah. but that was that was it similar sorts of crashes similar sorts of situations for both hamilton and russell like you say if anything russell got slightly lucky you could say because yeah as you say he got a lap time in that was good enough for fifth anyway and he was go- he was basically going on his final run in Q3 and with Perez's penalty it's put him fourth now that's probably where he would have ended up anyway so he, he he hasn't really lost much Hamilton on the other hand has he never got a clean lap in like he's he lost his first efforts through track limits uh, and a mistake going round uh, the back stretch of it of the track and therefore, when he crashed, he just didn't have a time that was going to be competitive in the in the top ten. So tumbled mm. down down the order, and, and obviously now starts ninth. So yeah. he he's got a bit of work to do. He's got yeah, like you say, both the Alpines and both the Hasses in front of him, um, and he's in the faster car. But with the format again this weekend, he's got effectively twenty four extra laps to get ahead of them if you count the sprint plus the Grand Prix. We saw what he was capable of in Brazil in a similar sort of circumstance of being further back. So I wouldn't say it's all over for them. Plenty can happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, they, that is, a, depending on reliability, a possible podium for one of the Mercedes. I mean, reliability in front of them, obviously, yeah, with yeah. the two Ferraris, which is at the minute, you don't know they're going to get to the end of, of the races. But yeah, so it was, as you say, in Q2, Hamilton was on a 105.4. Um, when it's not turned up. Now, Max Verstappen, the only driver in the 104s this weekend in Q3, but, you know, if it had been turned up, if Mercedes had gone for it in Q3, uh, that could have been, it could have been a top three um, position. So... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But George Russell will lead the Mercedes fight. Hey, talk to us about the two Haas drivers lining up sixth and seventh after Silverstone, where I know Schumacher took some stick, I think, afterwards for not being more aggressive <laughs> with... And we talked about it on the review podcast, and actually, Kevin, yeah, if you haven't... Yeah, that, was... You know, our boss Kev said uh, that he thought Verstappen was over the limit in terms of shutting the door at fast corners and not leaving a... Um, you know, when, when Mick Schumacher was... No, if if didn't have half a car up, he was certainly up the inside, um, <laughs> which is funny. But uh, look, Schumacher banked the points, and that's a huge boost for Haas. And then today, what amazing result! Yes, I I, I think Haas are have this capability of they know they've got a quick car, and okay, they haven't done any upgrades on it, but they are developing it with what they've got to make it an even quicker car. And that's never doubted. We've we've seen it when the track suits their package sort of thinking Bahrain and, and to be fair, Silverstone just gotten, they can pull out results. And this was always a track, even before the rule changes, where Haas was strong. So I, I think it was sort of in line with expectations and obviously situations have, have played in their favour that both drivers have delivered. And with probably they've probably out-qualified Alonso as well. So they're, they're even higher than probably where they expected to be. So... 
yeah, full credit to to both drivers. I think Schumacher, perhaps that, like you say, that that yes, he sort of had to bail a little bit out of the Verstappen duel, but his priority on that front was to bank those first F1 points of his career. And perhaps he's thinking now, like, right, I've I've got myself established. I am a point scorer in Formula One. Now I feel feel sort of planted a bit more confidence on his, on his, in his car and on his side of the garage and. Yeah, you think if Haas can sort of convert that in the sprint and indeed the Grand Prix, again, they're going to bank a good chunk of punts and sort of be that midfield team that can take the fight to to the others uh, when the opportunity is there. And that midfield is so tight and all over the place. Uh, again, it's trying to find some form really difficult, but the Alpines are discovering a bit more consistency now in recent races. Uh, so Ocon lining up fifth ahead of Alonso in eighth and Alpha Tauri uh, with Pierre Gasly so very very unlucky because he was the one knocked out in Q2 with Perez etc uh, lining up 10th and uh, Sonoda in 14th but again the Alpha Tauri's on a good weekend definitely ones to watch um, Alexander Albon uh, lines up 11th for Williams and uh, first of all good to see uh, full recovery and that car doing well here and you know it's it's a it's such a good circuit to watch formula 1 cars on as well it's got elevation it's got different types of corners uh, and it's great to see the order the midfield completely unpredictable uh, the two mclarens for instance this is the, the the effect of having a sprint race weekend having a shocker a free practice one daniel ricardo in and out of the pits they're putting gurney flaps on his rear wing to try and get some stability on that and lando norris uh, not getting any decent running in because of a smoky bottom and and you're like oh man uh, that like that and then you're into qualifying and then you're into sprint race qualifying um and lando looked like he could he could get a decent time i mean he just yeah, eclipsed ricardo this weekend but he couldn't string a couldn't string that lap together talk us through your impressions of mclaren it's been a, a bit of a nightmare day you could say for mclaren like you said for, for a variety of reasons you start in practice yeah norris has this sort of yeah complaining of a hot slash smoky rear but rear end but quite literally from coming from his cockpit so he hops out there he just had his, a new engine uh, and various other components installed for this weekend uh, in his McLaren, and they've had to revert to an older spec, uh, or an old, sorry, uh, a power unit and engines that's done more mileage um, to make sure that the the new one isn't totally broken. Uh, so therefore, down down on power, down on down on generally uh, performance. And then during qualifying, he complained of a brake issue. They wasn't sure if it was a hydraulics issue, or he just said the the pedal was going flat to the floor, so he wouldn't have any confidence under braking. And yeah, it's sort of what you need around around Austria in particular with the long straights and then sort of heavy braking zones into the, the slow corners. So just just ultimately the combination of factors of he just couldn't get the lap together with the car that he, he currently has. And it's it's sort of even worse for Daniel Ricciardo because he didn't necessarily have any of these issues, but he just cannot get on top of this, this McLaren F1 car. And added to the fact that its general performance isn't quite there this weekend with the likes of, as we mentioned earlier, Haas, Alpine in particular, and probably AlphaTauri in that mix as well. Yeah, it just means that, like you say, with the such fine margins, it's very quickly that they can tumble backwards. Again, they they could have a sort of a blessing in disguise of it's the sprint weekend. 
Therefore, particularly Norris, if they can sort his car out, he's got more opportunity to climb the order. But it's it's going to be a tall order for for the team overall. It's 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 not looking great for them at least on a Friday night. But uh, we'll 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 sort of see where it goes from there. To be honest, because mm. um, it it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse, especially after Ricardo at Silverstone. It just it can't get any worse than that um, for that team and that driver um, and both drivers as well. We'll see what they can do uh, in, in the race and uh, just looking down. Oh, and then the Aston Martins again hit by track limits. So at one point, Sebastian Vettel was running ahead of Lance Stroll, but Vettel will start up last, uh, start the race last um, sprint race last twentieth on the grid uh, behind Nicholas Latifi and Joe, and then Stroll in seventeenth because again track limits and deletions. Let me uh, just finish off today uh, by just getting your opinion on this, because I think our listeners will have their own opinion, um, and I've got got mine as well, but I'd like to hear yours on this. Track limits and the potential of not ruining the spectacle, but we want teams to play fair, to play by the same rules, and the white line defines the track. If it was a street circuit, you'd be in the wall which is fine. So there's no arguing uh, with that. And when there's runoff or gravel or grass, drivers take different risks, which yeah. is fine. But clearly, and I've never been I've never been to Biggin Hill to watch the broadcast happening, but clearly uh, the TV providers uh, at FOM are able to have plenty of people listening to all the onboards when they hear something good, chop it up, edit it, beep it where it's necessary and tell the director, hey, we've got this. I don't know how I've, you know, how that works with the stewards and the FIA, but it's not hard to employ 20 people, if you're the FIA, to sit there and just watch the onboard. And then when it clearly, or even might be, and, and they might do this already, but what's your take on this massively high-tech sport that we all love announcing decisions hours and hours afterwards when it should be so clear-cut. It's not hard just to be watching the onboard of a car constantly and be like, oh, I think that was out. I'll just refer that upwards or to the boss or to the review team. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Like That must happen already. And I, I can't think that it wouldn't. You've only got to have like a, a staff of an extra 20 people. They must do it already. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny that you, you, think? you mention it because... Um, it was only very recently when Autosport was running the In Defence Of series uh, where you defend something controversial. Uh, but my, one of my ones was In Defence Of Track Limits. Um, and basically to summarise what I'd sort of discovered and, and found out is it's not, it's a black and white issue, but the way to get to that is not black and white. There are so many layers of areas of, of grey matter that you have to sort of work your way through. The Red Bull ring is a classic example of this where there's places F1 cars or single-seated cars in general will go over the track limits over and over again because there's that inch of runoff or there's indeed a decent bit of tarmac. They will inherently be able to find advantage by going half a car width off the track, but because you're still in track limits that are defined, that's where you get your advantage. Now, like, like you say, Monaco, for example, you can't do that anywhere. So it's not an, not necessarily an issue at all. So it, it does come down to circuit specifics, corner specifics, context as well. MotoGP or, or, or car, bike, sorry, bike racing also uses places like the Rebel Ring. Therefore, their needs on curbs and runoff areas is, is needed for safety. 
so it, it's something inevitable there i.e they can't make them like cliffs so therefore you can't penalize the cars as much because they can ride over these curves much easier so the problem is difficult to nail down but i do agree with the in terms of when you're going through qualifying you know where people are going to push the limits they were granted they were looking at three places in particular i believe turn one turn it's nine and ten and turn six people can get angry at me if i get these wrong um that's the areas they were looking at um for qualifying to where people were gaining advantages by going off the track and instantly deleting that if they're looking at there's only 10 corners at the red bull ring arguably like you need 10 yeah 10 camera angles that will give you that view per court like that each corner sorry to then know instantly where people are taking track limits that only doing four when you know there's other areas where people can take advantage just seems like you've set yourself up for failure and this is sort of what's happened here so it can be solved it can be made black and white you just need to have the right planning and preparation in place and I do feel whether like you say whether it's a combination of the FIA and and the the TV production crew not working close enough together or not getting the right equipment but they are missing key areas and this is what's caused this this issue with Perez losing his lap times and going from 4th to 13th. Mm. So it can be solved and there probably needs to be a bit more of a, a fair assessment of it and, and look at it next time and go, right, track every corner. Even if you think this person will, well, there'll never be no track limit problems here, it's surprising where, <laughs> how much drivers will push and where they'll end up to try and find that tenth of a second, that thousandth of a second, because that's what it, it comes down to. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not easy, but it is doable and and i think that's where we need a bit more common sense thinking and a bit more planning just to get it nailed on because it can be done we've seen it other other tracks it can be sort of marshaled and and looked after very very cleanly it can be brutal and ultimately that would have been a bit of drama a little bit of oh the rule makers get in the way but it would have been right to say right perez you've lost your last lap in q2 off you go you've got no chance to respond gazzy's in q3 bit of drama bit of controversy but that's Rules are rules. That would have been it. And we move yeah. on. It's so. not like other sports where you can pause and do, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the another umpire. Uh, you, you can't pause this sport. It's going until the, you know, between the two qualifying or three qualifying um, sections. But, you know, where timing beams are down to the thousandth of the second. I mean, we had the top three today within a tenth of a second with so much accuracy in some places. It just, I don't know what the answer is because I'm not a, a, an engineer or clever enough to think it through, but there must be something that can be automatic. I mean, I don't know if you put time, you know, some sort of something on every white line of every track. That seems excessive. But as you say, eight or 10 cameras, slow motion cameras, uh, you know, on top of the broadcast stuff, it's an expense. I get it, but surely Formula One can afford it. But anyway, right there you go. Uh, I think people know my opinion uh, of the matter. I think it's all very, very um, frustrating and silly for the fans. Uh, you know, yeah. if it's going to take hours to work out, um, and uh, and a lot of new fans coming into the sport as well, it's just a head scratcher. But let's not that let's not uh, let that put us off a brilliant weekend, a fantastic track once again max verstappen on fire i can't wait to watch this one uh there's f2 there's f3 there's super cup action there's loads going on and according to our team uh the best food for 
F1 journalists of the entire year, they say, at the yeah, Red Bull it's, Ring. It's, it's the best the, restaurant. The, it's the, the, the media get the best looked after, you could say, from from a view, from access, from food, from a yeah. little bit of everything. If, um, if any listeners are... Uh, into uh, Sky Sports F1's Ted Kravitz's uh, notebook. He did a post-qualifying notebook there and he shared a lift from the media centre whilst he was broadcasting live <laughs> with uh, our very own Jonathan Noble. Oh, uh, okay, he looks a bit awkward, but it's um, no, it's, a, it's a good watch. And he's, uh, they were talking about how, how the qualifying went and he was in this lift and it was all typical Ted's style. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... so uh, so our colleague uh, right. gave us a shout out as well to say uh, what he was up to, and right. uh, no, it was very good. But um, great, yes. Going back to the point is, yeah, it's it's it, for for the media for for to be fair for the I've never been to the Red Bull Ring as a fan, but the Orange Army certainly make it look like a spectacle and a bit of a a festival atmosphere, similar to sort of what Silverstone's had, but obviously a bit more European and feel. The one thing that did sour the taste, which is more of an ongoing thing, is the the booing or sorry the cheering of when Lewis Hamilton crashed by the Max Verstappen fans. It's a difficult matter because I understand the upset and the it's part and parcel of the drama and, and a bit of the soap opera. And indeed, it's a million times worse in other sports, football in particular. But yeah, it just is a bit unsavoury. It's a bit like, yeah, he's already out. You don't need to like celebrate because of these previous rivalries. Like... <laughs> I know what you mean. It's where football, mm-hmm. but it's where Formula One becomes more football than more rugby. Um, yes. And yeah, rugby yes. has intense rivalries, but at the final whistle, you go for a beer together, and every or you know all the fans of either side will talk about how your teams did, and everyone's friends, um, and everyone is twice as drunk as at football, and everyone's yeah. still friends. Yeah. And yet exactly. in in football, uh, you uh, just because of no reason, uh, you utterly hate the person standing next to you because. <laughs> They choose to support a team. And I say, it's when Formula One's like that uh, that I've got less time for it. I mean, I know, uh, was it on, uh, who, uh, it was Codders. It was Codders last week when we were at Silverstone. We are doing the live podcasts from the uh, GP Racing Fan Village. Uh, described it as a bit of panto. You know, you know when the yeah, when the Silverstone it was, fans, it was very panto. And I'm like, I don't know if I want F1 to be so panto, but I guess, you know, yeah. oh, I don't know. The concern, and I think perhaps if, to make it a bit more serious, the concern would be is, if Hamilton say had had a bigger accident and was was injured, and then you've got fans cheering because he's crashed, that is yeah, that's just just poor. Like you didn't not that you'd need to, but you wouldn't see anybody cr- cr- uh, cheering that Joe crashed at the start of the British Grand Prix. No, but remember last year when um, Hamilton and Verstappen came together at Silverstone, as Verstappen went through the gravel and and hit and had that massive G impact. If you watch some of the kind of the Twitter videos or the videos that people posted after the event from their own cameras, the crowd, the Silverstone crowd were like, way, ooh. Like when he went off, there was a big cheer. And then a millisecond later when he hit, everyone, ooh, that was nasty. And like, But the instant reaction was to cheer Verstappen getting, you know, knocked off. So like the Brit fans did that and you can't get yeah, away. But then the they thing, went, it's, oh, it's, that's horrible. But it's, still. It is both sides. It's, it, this isn't a, yeah, British media no, 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 no. the, the Verstappen Which we get fans. told all the time that we're anti-Verstappen. <laughs> uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. And but it there definitely, we go. if it goes the other way around, which, which to be fair, we did see a bit of it, like you say, God has mentioned it about Silverstone and, and Verstappen getting booed or whatever like this. Like, it does happen both ways and in, in, in lots of places. But um, I think, yeah, when it gets a bit more serious, that's 
that's when it sort of starts crossing the line. Like the panto and the soap opera thing is is one element, but uh, yeah, <laughs> if sort of danger and injury starts coming into it, and they're still doing that, that's that's really bad. Dear listener, let us know your thoughts. You can email podcast at autosport.com. That is, uh, you can send us an email or uh, social media and stuff, but uh, if you want to email podcast at autosport.com with your thoughts on any of the things that we've talked about today, we can bring up your email or if you don't want us to share it, we can just, just send us an email and say, don't share this on the air, but we'll be back. Uh, I won't be and Hayden won't be, but Luke and Matt Q will be from the circuit tomorrow for Sprint Race Reaction and Review. I'll be back on Sunday we got Megan there which is brilliant so she'll join us again on Sunday night uh, alongside Luke Smith and I think it is oh sorry Jess McFadden and it's Alex Kalanokas back in Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting Really? Yes Excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The UK this week to join us on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Bread Isle, are you ready to rock? Dave's Killer Bread is the country's number one organic bread for a reason. Always delivering killer taste, killer texture, and killer nutrition. This isn't bread. This is bread amplified. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.